It's our WWE TLC 2020 review show on the Double Turn Podcast, which starts right now. You know, I had my doubts about the Inferno match that was going to happen on this show. The last one with Bray Wyatt wasn't good. This one, equally not as good. Tables, ladders, and chairs is the final installment on the WWE calendar for the year 2020. It could not come soon enough. It is in the books. The next pay-per-view for WWE is the Royal Rumble. We will, of course, turn the calendar as we are a mere weeks away from the turning of the page. We are also very close to Christmas and the New Year. For those of you that are also celebrating Hanukkah, congratulations, you've been celebrating it. Happy Hanukkah, or however you're supposed to say that. But for those of us to celebrate Christmas, it's just a few days away, which means that the Double Turn Podcast is going to drop this episode a couple days beforehand as we're about to take some much-needed time off, refresh, reset for the year 2021. Also where our picks will actually count. I'm actually pretty excited for it because the Royal Rumble is a great year to get the uh, year off right. Or perhaps I'll just quit a month in. Perhaps that'll happen. That being said, we have a lot of matches to get to. Not a lot of time. There is a little bit of news that I do think we need to cover on this show before we start. With that all being said, I am Boss Ross. My co-host is the J-Man. He had been eating food up until this very moment. So J-Man, how are you this evening? I'm good, man. I'm starving. I apologize, uh, audience. That's uh, oh, I'm a busy man. I got a family, and I have to go ahead and feed them as I do the podcast. And so uh, I have my dinner right next to my laptop. But I'm doing well, my friend. It's good to see you. Are you well as well? A much-needed break is coming. I, I have one more day of work, and then I am off until the new year. So thankfully, that is on the horizon. Just have to wake up one more early morning. So I am happy for the break just to kind of recharge the batteries, as we all do. Uh, and so uh, I'm I'm definitely excited about that. One thing I was not excited about was this show. Not necessarily this show of the Double Turn Podcast, but this pay-per-view. I did not have high expectations. We'll get to everything in there. I'm... Um, I'm a little perplexed at some of the reaction we're seeing online, but I'm a fair man and I see things the way they are. And once again, as usual, if I am nothing else, I am consistent on what I think is good and bad for the most part. Before we go any further, before we go into our news, you can find this show and every other show that we've done in 2020, 2019, or 2018. Because we've done that many shows, we started with the SummerSlam 2018 review show uh, all the way up till here. So you can check out every episode. If this is your first time joining us, welcome. Thank you for checking us out. If you listen to every episode, keep on enjoying the party that is this show, the Double Turn Podcast. We like to talk wrestling. We do talk life. We use weird references. We go on tangents. I throw headphones and pens. And uh, Jorge defends uh, wrestlers that uh, are really not my cup of tea. And that's okay. He also swings a golden sledgehammer with his boy, Triple H, who has to get all of his wins back, including Sting. Hey, 
I'm willing to go ahead and sl I'll slay anybody with that golden sledgehammer. And I also like to go ahead and make Toy Story references for those of you who would like to know about that. I'm sure some Disney Plus references will happen as well, since I'm sure some kid's movie that he's watched seven times in the last two days will probably get referenced because he knows it by heart. Emperor's I mean, New Groove. <laughs> it's a great film, but not one worth repeating on a wrestling podcast. That being said... You can find this at every show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Breaker, Radio Public, Pocket Cast, CastBox, and the Anchor app. The Double Turn Podcast on Instagram. J-Man slaying the game. It's probably going to slow down a little bit over the Christmas break. That's okay. We'll pop in every once in a while. Or if there's, you know, Gigantor news, maybe we'll put up something, you know, just, just normal stuff like that. But... We're pretty much going to not shut down TDT for a couple of weeks, but we are kind of hitting the reset button. But if there's something big, we'll mention it. You'll have it there. The Double Turn Podcast on Instagram. The one and only J-Man 19, Ross the Real Boss 85. Those are both our Instagram handles. Boss Ross TDT on Twitter. And you can find me at Ross the Real Boss on Parlor News. I have to mention the first Raw of 2021 is going to be a legend show. They announced that uh, recently. And, uh, of course, Ric Flair, Hulk Hogan. Uh, let's see. Jimmy Hart is going to be there. Yep. Uh, um, there, I there also are... saw Tori Wilson. Yes. Mm -hmm. I mean, there are there are a handful of names that are going to show up on this show or people that uh, essentially they probably called a lot of people and said, do you want to show up on this show? So I can tell you right now, Alicia Fox is probably showing up on this show. Because she's probably not doing anything better, and apparently she's a legend. I don't yeah, get it. I've got, I've got a I've got a list right over here from uh, Bleacher Report's Instagram account. So you mentioned Hulk Hogan, Rick so Flair. Are, so there are twenty three names. Just go through them as quickly as possible. I don't have twenty three names, so it'll be less. So it's awesome. Okay, so Hulk Hogan, Rick Flair, Kurt Angle, Tori Wilson, Booker T, Molina, Carlito, yes, uh, Beth Phoenix, Mark Henry, Candice Michelle, and Mickey James, just to name a few. That's that's not pretty stout. It's not bad. Okay. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Carly, Carlito showing up to me will be a highlight. Haven't can seen I, WWE uh, programming in a while. Can, Go ahead. Can I, can I see a random Big Show Sheamus match? I would enjoy that. <laughs> I'm sure you would. Yes. I watched. Sure by the would. way, by the way, I rewatched that match again this week. They I'm not just got. Yeah. No, I'm, I, I believe you. And WWE just re-uploaded their one of their Raw matches from that same year. Oh. Yeah. Tremendous. Not bad. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, the guys, no. the, the two have great chemistry. It's it's really weird, but it's no. it's good. When you Look, have it, you got it. Big Show gets a lot of flack. A lot of flack. Like, remember when people were chanting, please retire for a while? Like, he gets a lot of unwarranted crap, okay? I understand that not every storyline has been great with him, but, like, he's been around. He's been kind of, you know, a stalwart of the company. He's really represented the company as kind of like an ambassador. Um, and... Look, I'm not saying all of his matches are great. In fact, I'm 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 here to tell you very few of his matches I would consider great. But you know, if I can get a if I can get a big show and uh Sheamus match, I'd be I'd be happy. I agree. And you know what the other thing is, Ross, here at the end of the day, um fact of the matter is Big Show is a legitimately larger than life. Um and from a physical standpoint, do you know how hard it is to live your life seven foot four? near 500 yes. pounds yes. and he's well into his 40s ladies and gentlemen and he's been able to maintain himself healthy and you know you have you have people like andre the giant who passed away early from heart failure because they couldn't his he couldn't handle his body weight 
You know right. what I'm saying? Um, right. Yoko, I could go on and on, but Big Show has maintained himself healthy. That he, That's something we should appreciate and treasure. So shout out to the Big Show. He's the man. He really is. And he's he's he's, he's a phenomenal wrestler. He is, he is undoubtedly a Hall of Famer. Undoubtedly. So just to put a nice little bow on this, um, I'm sure, well, I've said before that they really don't need Ric Flair to come out and cut a promo. I'm, I'm sure, like, everybody will love to see him and everything, and that's fine. But like, I don't, I don't need to see him try and cut Ric Flair promos anymore because he's, he is, I hate to say this, he is diminished and we just need to be careful. And, uh, you know, I mean, it's not like, it's not like Hulk Hogan's much better. I mean, he's not as diminished, but I mean, he's not going to do anything physically. The point is, I understand why people are immediately groaning at basically, you know, retro raw or whatever they're doing with this legends raw, whatever it is. It's it's for ratings. It's 2021. There, there's weeks until the Royal Rumble. I'm okay with this. That's all I'm saying. They do they, this every uh, year. Uh, I know, but yeah. I mean, people people complain about it every year. So yeah. I just mentioned that. Uh, a news bit that we reported on last week. I'm going to make a correction on it myself because uh, I must have misread the article or misread the facts that I had. Ethan Page is still indeed leaving Impact Wrestling. There is a very small chance he's going to resign, and I do mean a very small chance he's going to resign. But his contract was up. He's a, he is a free agent. He's testing the waters. I said Josh Alexander, his tag team partner, had two years left on his deal. He only has eight months. So what does that mean? Well, it doesn't mean that necessarily they're just going to get paired back up again. I mean, it's not like FTR who their contracts ended at the same time, so they were actually able to come in as a team. So I don't know if Ethan Page is going to go work somewhere for eight months and wait for him, if he's just going to look out for himself and Josh Alexander and them are just going to part ways again, which is totally something that could happen. Um, But that is the case. So Josh Alexander only has eight months left on his deal uh, with Impact Wrestling. So... That would be a really big loss if they lost to both of them, especially since they were on separate contracts. Uh, I mean, they're already losing the team, but if they were to lose both of them, uh, that would be a major loss for Impact Wrestling. Also, another bit that I have to put in there, uh, Madison Rain, who has been doing commentary for Impact, who actually I totally forgot was like with Josh Matthews, mind blown, totally forgot about that. Um, I guess she's reconsidering retiring again. Like she kind of pseudo retired and then came back and did like a match or two. And then she's been doing commentary. So just quick thoughts on the North situation. And if you have anything on Madison rain, I just bring that up because it was news this week. So, yeah. Um, regarding the North, um, I think it's good that when I, cause I, I obviously, I sent it to you via, via Instagram and, um, it's good for perhaps Josh Alexander and Ethan Page if they want to continue as a pair. But if they have different ambitions, which, by the way, you're allowed to have different ambitions, then Ethan Page can do what he wants. You know what I'm saying? And in the wrestling business, you, what you're doing is you're looking out for yourself. You always, of course, want to go ahead and look out for your friends if you've been pairing with somebody for a long time. But you're looking out for yourself. You know, you want to make money for yourself. You want to go ahead and put yourself in the best situation. So 
you know, Ethan Page, do your thing, brother. And then Josh Alexander, if your contract comes up in eight months or seven months from now and Impact offers you the world and you think that that's the best move for you to take, then you do that. But then if they don't, an AEW or Ring of Honor or NWA or World Wrestling Entertainment slash NXT come calling and they offer you something better, then you go ahead and take advantage of it. And if it so happens to be that Ethan Page is in the same place that you are, great. But at the same time, what are your ambitions? What are your goals? Do you want to go ahead and be the face of a promotion? Because if that is the case, as much as I love tag teams, tag teams are very, very unusually not the face of a, ta- uh, of a promotion. That's just a fact. You know, AEW ha- has the best tag team division on the planet. But do you see any of them besides the Young Bucks being the face of the promotion? No. And why are the Young Bucks the face of, of, of the promotion? Because they're the executive vice presidents of the damn promotion. That's the only reason why. Why? So, of course, their face is going to be plastered all over the place because it's their show. And by the way, that's not a dig at them. That's just a fact. Um, so my point, with all that being said, I just want them to find something that makes them feel good about what they're doing as professional wrestlers. If it happens to be that they end up working in the same place a year from now, that's great because whoever gets them as a tag team is going to get one of the best tag team on the tag teams on the planet. But if they each go their separate ways, whatever promotion they go to gets a really good wrestler and the other one gets a really good wrestler and they get some of the best nicknames in the business. Not going to let that go because they really are some of the best nicknames in the business. The walking weapon, Josh Alexander and all ego Ethan Page. Come on, man. That being said, Madison Rain, you know, do what you love, man. Do what you love. If you want to go ahead and not take bumps anymore, but still be involved in the business, be a commentator. Beth Phoenix is doing a great job as a commentator right now in NXT. You and I have gone hard on Beth Phoenix over the last year and a half, two years on the commentary booth, but she has progressively gotten better. She's not Renee Young. She's, she's not, and she never will be. Nobody's going to ever be Renee Young, Charlie Caruso included, but she's getting better in the booth. But Beth Phoenix is that perfect example of she left the in-ring game, but still wanted to be in the game. So what's the next best thing you can do? Coach and then be on the commentary booth. That's perfectly fine. That is all of our news bits this week for, uh, well, this being the last show of 2020. And, uh, well, it's tables, ladders, and chairs. It was the first pay-per-view outing for WWE since they have moved to actually wait time out let me make sure i have this right i thought they were doing this show at tropicana field they did do it at tropicana field it's just the layout looked exactly like if they were still at amway but it was still at tro- at okay tropicana. okay uh-huh. i just didn't want to put my foot in my mouth because i thought yeah. this was uh their their for uh their forte into moving yeah because uh the nba started tonight that is correct now oh, man shout out to the nba welcome back even though you've barely been gone, but welcome back. Yes. Uh, so the NBA is back and uh, the NHL is going to be back here in about mid-January. So those two sports normally start around the same time. That's awesome. Uh, and they're going to be similar schedules. The NBA has a 72-game season, the NHL 56-game season, and they did some weird things with the teams, whereas the Toronto Raptors are basically the Tampa Raptors this year, um, which somebody put up a cool logo of the Raptor up against the uh, palm tree. So, no, that's fun. 
That's very cool. That that sucks that because of the borders are closed, they can't be in Canada. That is actually unfortunate. Well, right. Well, whereas in hockey, there are seven teams, so they basically made a Canadian North division to basically, yeah, anyway. That's that's the whole topic. I just bring that up because that's what's happening right now in in the world as as things are uh, starting to ramp back up again. So that is why WWE moved from the Amway Center in Orlando to Tropicana Field in St. Pete, still in Florida. Uh, but that is their home probably until March or April. Uh, and then Maybe they even a February, yeah. Well, right. I mean, they, they have a decision to make as to what they're going to do once baseball starts back up. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't know. They may, well, wouldn't that be funny if WWE and AEW were both operating out of Jacksonville? That would be funny. That would be very funny. I'd be shocked. You know what, though? Here's the thing. And I want to be very careful with saying this, and I don't want to go ahead and take up too much time. So I, I promise I won't, but I, I just have to say this. I, I'm curious to know how it's been going for all elite allowing 20 or 15 to 20% of fans into their building at Daly's place. I want to know, because if it's going well, then, you know, by all accounts, just try something, WWE. Go back to the performance center. You have bleachers there. Just try it. Now, I know that it's a little bit of a smaller venue than Daly's. So, you know, their 15% capacity would be a lot smaller than, than Daly's place. And I totally understand that. But, I mean, I know you can try something. That's all. I just want to get that out there. I mean, the World Series had fans this year, which was a really nice change of pace for the remainder of for the previous part of the playoffs. True. Yeah. True. So, TLC 2020. It had six matches on the main card, including one pre-show match. First thing I got to get out of the way, the pre-show panel of Charlie Caruso, Booker T, Peter Rosenberg, and Jeff Jarrett. I was not offended by this pre-show, and I normally despise Rosenberg. You do. So, you do. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. I well, here's the thing. Put that out there. I'll tell you what it is right now. Your 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 love and and appreciation for two of your favorite people on that on that panel. One, actually three. Excuse me, three. Jer- you love yourself some Jeff Jarrett. That's a fact. You adore Booker T. That's a fact. And um, Charlie Caruso has been your girl for like about three years now. All of this probably just makes your heart flutter. And allows you to not concentrate on the fact that Peter Rosenberg is on that uh, on that panel. So I think that all works for you. So I think that's what it is. There you go. Yeah. Um. So this show opened with look. I get it. It's story. I get it. And don't get me wrong. I'm going to complain about no story in a match soon. This was an eight-man tag team match for literally no reason. (laughs) Let's just get some people on the show. It was Big E, Daniel Bryan, Chad Gable, and Otis versus King Corbin, Sami Zayn, Cesaro, and Shinsuke Nakamura. Um, Again, for an opener, or sorry, for a 
kickoff show. Mm-hmm. Um, this was about nine minutes of filler. Um, the really scary part is that if you add two more people to this match, it would be like a Survivor Series match. <laughs> Oh, wait, Survivor Series was last month, and they did nothing! (laughs) That being said, this was a nine-minute match. It ended with uh, the big ending from Big E to Sami Zayn getting the pin. I will not say uh, this was good. I will not say it was bad. I will say it wasted nine minutes, which, again, I've said this before, does every show need a kickoff show? Does every show need a kickoff show with a time filler match? Can't WWE just start a pay-per-view? I kind of miss those days. I really do. But I will tell you this. Um, first of all, I, I, I'm going to complain about one thing before I go ahead and get into the positive. I thought Chad Gable was a heel. When the heck did he turn back to babyface? I, I know that he went heel like He's been five coaching months Otis. ago. I know he's been coaching notice, but remember he went ahead and took on a bounty that Baron Corbin put out like a, a few, a few months ago. And he took, he took advantage of it. And now all of a sudden they like dropped that storyline. I was looking very much forward to a heel Chad Gable. I was, and now they ruined it for me. So thanks WWE. That being said, I'm going to let it go. Um, you know, you have a lot of talent on a match when Otis is the quote unquote least talented person in that match. And by the way, I say quote unquote, cause I think Otis is incredibly talented. Um, but look at the talent that you have in there. You got Daniel Bryan, who's considered one of the top five best wrestlers on the planet. Biggie, amazing. Then you've got Chad Gable, who's legitimately probably one of the best wrestlers in the game today, like pure wrestlers. Um, Baron Corbin is amazing. Um, Shinsuke Nakamura is one of the best strikers on the planet. Cesaro is one of, again, one of the best absolute pound for pound, one of the best talents on in the business today. And then you've got Sami Zayn, who, I mean, we don't necessarily, we're not big fans of Sami Zayn, but let's be, let's be real. Sami Zayn is pretty good at his job. Um, That's a lot of talent for you to have. And it sucks that that gets relegated to the kickoff show and you're not eight people who don't have a storyline, eight people like good God almighty. And now we can all say, well, what about Biggie having a storyline, maybe potentially being the number one contender to Sami Zayn. Yeah. But that's not being played out on the pay-per-view. You know, it's being relegated to the kickoff show. And it's like, obviously, they're not taking it that seriously. And, and that's kind of infuriating in a way. But that all being said, um, Big E and his team got the win. I think that's really important for Big E and his momentum going forward. I, you and I have been on the, on the Big E train for a long time. 2021 is going to be a really, really big year for, for, for Big E. I don't know if it's going to be 2019 Kofi big. I would like for it to be. But it won't, I won't be surprised if it's not. But I think that you can probably see Big E becoming a semi-main eventer in 2021. And that's really important. Couldn't we just, like, not have a kickoff show match and, like, Big E has a non-title match against Sami Zayn on Raw or SmackDown this week and then that sets up their match at the Royal Rumble? Yeah. Or, or you know what? Or give Big E a title shot against Sami Zayn for the last SmackDown of the year. Because, you know... Not to get ahead of ourselves, but we do have a main event for SmackDown this upcoming Friday as the last SmackDown of the year. Make the SmackDown, the last SmackDown of the year, a really important SmackDown. Put an IC title match on there between Biggie and Sami Zayn. I think that's very smart. Yeah, 
But instead, it's a random eight-man tag for no reason and nine minutes of time filler. Again, yep. <clears throat> I wasn't like offended by it, but it, I was just like, okay. By the way, I am fully endorsing Chad Gable wearing his old American Alpha stuff. That's that's awesome, especially when eventually he just turns on notice. It's going to be great. I'm actually um, looking forward to that. Yes. Our opening contest. This already put me in a bad mood, let me tell you, because uh, they opened the show with a TLC match. Yes. Which I knew they were going to do. They opened it with the WWE title match in a TLC rules match. Drew McIntyre versus AJ Styles. Now, I will fully admit to you that I have been waiting for when WWE finally decided to just do the briefcase thing and get it over with. I was waiting for it. I was not expecting it in this match. <laughs> because... Let me tell you something right now. When Miz powerbombed Drew McIntyre, <laughs> I was very confused. <laughs> it's like, okay, look, I know that I have mostly turned the corner on the Miz. Mostly. Okay. I don't need to go into my diatribes about my very select instances where I will accept the Miz in the role that he's been in for like actually since he lost the WWE championship, it's kind of the role he's been in, which is the ultimate utility man. And he's really good at it. He happens to be good friends with another guy named Dolph Ziggler who had a world heavyweight title run and then has pretty much been a utility guy for this company for years. You need those guys, but that's the role Miz has been in. So they did this entire storyline. And now, I realize I've talked nothing about the match yet. I will get there. Because what was it? 10 or 15 minutes into the match, Miz just decided to come out and cash in? No, it was closer towards the end. I would probably say, because the, the first of all, let's be real here for a second. The first, the, the TLC match between AJ Styles and Drew McIntyre was the longest match on the card. Yes. Um, I think it. I think he probably came in like about 20 minutes in. So like the okay. last like... Almost 10 minutes. Okay, so so my concept of time was a little bit off. I was still, I was like, Miz just powerbombed Drew McIntyre. Like, what universe do I live in right now? So, well, I live in the WWE universe, clearly, because the Miz powerbombed Drew McIntyre. I was, Listen, I, hey, give the man credit. It's not every day that you see Miz pull off a powerbomb on somebody as big as Drew McIntyre. By the way, also, uh, I call BS because actually Morrison essentially told the ref that Miz was cashing in aren't the rules that Miz has to tell him that he's cashing in it's a really good point yeah since that's it's, what we need another Miz Morrison feud for the 80th time I could, that would be stupid if they went that route in the sense that I mean it would be better than them singing songs about Braun Strowman hey that was a great segment <laughs> anyway so I'll get to the match. I just have to mention this. So they spent all this time, right? So Otis wins the briefcase. He holds the briefcase 
for months. He's in the ring with Braun Strowman occasionally, and Braun's like, are you cashing in? And Otis is like, no, 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 I'm Otis. I'm not going to cash in. Ooh. Stakes and weights, or whatever he, whatever he says. I don't know. <laughs> whatever it is, it doesn't matter. Because, you know, Tucker turned on him for no reason. And, oh, and by the way, the, the, the fallout from that, nothing! That being said, the Miz... <laughs> took Otis to court, <laughs> obtained the briefcase, <laughs> and then WWE's like, what the hell are we going to do with this now? Oh, we got it off of Otis, but now The Miz has it. We're going to have him cash in on Drew McIntyre? We're going to have him cash in on Randy Orton? We're going to so have him here, cash in on, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So here's the thing. Let me Let me just shed a little bit of light on that really quickly. Apparently, uh-huh. the report goes that WWE Creative was spending, was trying to figure out how exactly to make it legitimate that Miz could cash in. Mm-hmm. And the problem happened was Creative couldn't figure anything out. They they spent weeks on it. They couldn't find any good way. <laughs> they That's couldn't find not any a good excuse. <laughs> so their plan was involve him in the triple threat, involve him in the TLC match, make it a triple threat, and then have him lose. Which that that is that is, and by the way, this is this is this is not your analysis, so please don't take it this way. I know you're a sensitive guy. That is the dumbest analysis I've ever heard. Yeah, so actually, uh, Otis was the briefcase wearer for months, so we decided to do the storyline with Miz, and then we're gonna give him the belt. And oh, wait, actually, we're only gonna give him the briefcase, of course, we're not gonna give him the belt. We really don't have a great idea, so we're just going to have him cash in. Great. You know Ross is going to go in on something when he goes into his Lego Batman voice. <laughs> I'm Batman. Uh, so. Computer. Uh, <laughs> so, all right. I got my Miz stuff over with. He He did not need to be in this match. If you were going to do this gimmick and you were going to have the Miz lose, which I'm fine with, you could have had him either cash in after the match, cash in on, you know, raw, yeah, something else other than, well, let's make it a triple threat. No. Can I ask you something? Not not that I'm disagreeing with you or anything like that, but as you always say, you know, play devil's advocate for a second, right? Mm -hmm. You know, Drew McIntyre and AJ Styles are being involved in, let's be real, an extremely physical TLC match. Both of the TLC matches this past Sunday were re- some of the more physical TLC matches we've seen, at least I've seen in a long time. We'll get into mm-hmm. Kevin Owens and Roman Reigns because that was physical, but D- Drew McIntyre was tossing AJ Styles like a freaking ragdoll on Sunday. It was unreal. But you know, AJ Styles got in some good shots on Drew McIntyre. I bring this up, Ross, because you still want to go ahead and make Drew McIntyre look as legitimate as possible, right? But at the same time, you, at least to me, don't you want to protect somehow, some way the Miz a smidge? And I bring this up because to me, it would look way more illegitimate for Miz to go ahead and cash in after the TLC match and then get his ass kicked by Drew McIntyre than at least because Miz still took plenty of bumps in those last six or seven minutes of that match. I mean, he went through a table. Um, he got hit with a claymore, like destroyed. He got thrown off a ladder. So it's not like Miz didn't take any bumps. 
to me, I think that was still more of a legitimate way. If you're going to have somebody lose their opportunity to the money in the bank with the money in the bank, make it legitimate. Don't make the person look like an absolute dumbass. Does that make sense? Oh, I get it. I just, that's why I wouldn't have had him cash in on this match. And like, he comes out on raw and is like, Oh, well you were in a TLC match last night. I think you're weak. I'm going to cash in. Like I get, or you could have done something where like Miz directly cost, like he was trying to cost drew the title, but he costs AJ the title and then he cashes in and then AJ hits him with like one Pele and drew kicks him in the face and Miz loses. Like, I understand that Miz just lost, but Miz lost because he thought he screwed Drew when he actually screwed over AJ, and then AJ screwed over Miz because he got screwed over in the match. That way, the briefcase is done. Miz, like, gets basically caught with his pants down being like, oh, I thought, and I just got kicked twice in the face and I lost. Like, that's not a burial. That's That's not a burial. You you thought you had the advantage, and then you got kicked in the face twice. Okay. I, I so. think that's perfect. I think there's a perfectly suitable way to go ahead and book something like that. And I kind of, I, I like it more almost as much it actually on, on par with the same idea that I just talked about, because to me, I think we can both agree. It would have made Miz look terrible for him to cash in after the match, especially after freaking AJ Styles has been kicking Drew McIntyre's ass for 27 minutes. Yes. Um, that all being said, um, what's uh, Amos is his name. Almost, almost, yeah, whatever it is. What a that dude! I don't know what they're gonna do with him, but that dude is a monster, and he is scary as all can be. The fact that that chair just shattered (laughs) across his back was really impressive. I don't want to spend too much time on it. It was really impressive. He dropped Morrison through a table. It looked like it hurt. Morrison's a G. Let's talk about the match because. All right, Drew McIntyre's so, 2020 has been unreal. So I'll just say right now, until the Miz portion of this match, now I get it. This may be unfair. This is me. This is my opinion. Okay. Until the Miz portion of the match, this was well, this was well on its way to being match of the night. Well on its way. And by the way, at the end of this, I still may think that way. Because let me tell you something, AJ and Drew had a plan. Their plan was that Drew McIntyre being the valiant babyface and AJ Styles being the undersized but probably more gifted in the ring competitor with a big bodyguard. So instead of using, now remember, this is a TLC match, so there's no rules, right? But let me tell you something. It wasn't like, you know, AJ was not trying to screw Drew McIntyre for 25 minutes and, like, try and not beat him legitimately. AJ Styles went into that match saying, I'm better than you, and I'm going to prove it by doing what I do. I don't care that you're physically stronger than me. I don't care that if I get into a fist fight with you, I'm going to lose. I'm going to beat you being phenomenal. Whereas Drew McIntyre is like, okay, well, I'm the champ. I'm just this total badass guy who kicks people in the face for fun. And you may try and out wrestle me and you may try and do your own tricks to win this match. But I've been in wars this year. Like I was in a battle with Brock Lesnar 
I was in a battle with the likes of, you know, Braun, or not Braun. Um, Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns. Bobby Lashley. Yes, Bobby Lashley. Oh, I don't Randy. know. He just had this war with Randy Orton for a while. So, oh, hell, him and Dolph Ziggler. I look, what I'm t- telling you is at no point did I feel like this was not an even match. There are matches I go into with Drew McIntyre where I'm like, he's clearly the better person in this match. And by the way, one of those matches going into it was Dolph Ziggler. And yet because it's Dolph Ziggler, he makes it look very easy and he makes himself look very competent. So it's not hard to imagine the fact that AJ Styles walks into a ring and instantly just makes things better. And by the way, something else I want to point out about, about this match, and then I will I will shift to you. There are so many times, look, Drew's the man right now, right? Like, there's no doubting that he's the man. There is no doubt in my mind. AJ took charge of that match. 100%. It's very obvious certain spots of the match. AJ basically told Drew, follow my lead. And by the way, that's not that's not a complaint against Drew McIntyre. That is simply Drew McIntyre seeing AJ Styles for, and I have to say this again, the best wrestler on the planet. And basically saying, here's the keys to the car. I will ride passenger, then I will take over driving when you're putting me over, and then we'll both take us into the garage and end the match. 100%. Like, I'll tell you this right now. AJ Styles 100% made that call for Drew McIntyre to gorilla press him and throw him over the top rope into the table on the outside. That was absolutely an AJ Styles call. Because AJ Styles, what, AJ Styles was on one mission and one mission only on Sunday night. Make Drew McIntyre be Drew McIntyre WWE champion badass 2.0. Like, if you thought Drew McIntyre was a badass for the entire first half, for first three quarters of 2020, huh? AJ Styles looked at Drew McIntyre and said, I can make you look even more of a badass in one match. Like, it, it was unreal. I have to commend AJ Styles for his performance in this match. I also have to commend Drew McIntyre for absolutely looking like a G. Like Drew McIntyre, this was we we've celebrated and and just complimented Drew McIntyre all year round about his performances, Ross. And it every single time I think he might have an off night, or every single time I think that this match is not going to be the best thing that on the on the card, he claymores me in the face to prove me wrong, Dagnabbit. And this, and by the way, let it be known right now, I never expected a bad match out of AJ Styles and Drew McIntyre because actually we've already seen them wrestle earlier this year. And guess what they did? They gave us a really, really good match along with Randy Orton at the beginning of the year, right? So it's not surprising to me that this was great. What surprises me though is how much AJ Styles is willing to give even when he's on the platform that he's on, Ross. It's unbelievable to me. And I ha- that's why I love AJ Styles because he's w- – the Rocky – and not to interrupt you, but I just have to get this off my chest. What was the, the – you know what's one of my favorite things about The Rock, especially during the Attitude and Ruthless Aggression era? The fact that he was willing to give so much to his opponent 
the fact that he was willing to go ahead and put his ego to the side in order to make this person look great. I mean, he he tapped out multiple times to, 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 to Kurt Angle. He tapped out to Chris Benoit. He tapped out to multiple people. He he took he made himself look like an absolute idiot taking Stone Cold Stunners from Stone Cold Steve Austin. He put over Triple H like 956 different times. AJ Styles has got the same mindset, and God, it's beautiful to see. Can I ask a question? Because I want to make sure I'm not completely losing sight of this. I remember in this match, how many ladders did they use in this match? Was it two? I want to say two or three. Okay. Because I remember that AJ did the calf crusher in the ladder. Yep. McIntyre suplexed him onto a ladder. Yep. And And then then he also picked up a ladder, the really big one, and just tossed it at him. Okay. I think that may have been the same one. So, okay. Something about these matches, and it's a big critique I have about gimmick matches, especially those that involve weapons. Okay. You have to sell the violence. Okay. You can't just get suplexed on a ladder and immediately jump back up. Okay. I'm not saying you're incapacitated for an hour. I'm saying, okay, if I suplexed you onto a ladder, you would be clasping your back, probably, you know, outwardly being verbal, screaming, ow. You'd probably roll over. You'd probably figure out where the pain was, and you'd probably try and figure out if you could actually keep moving. Like, so there was a nice sequence of, and by the way, then it was, okay, well, I just took this awesome bump onto a ladder. Well, my desperation move is to chop block you in the knee. It's little things like that. I don't need to see AJ do a phenomenal forearm after being suplexed on a ladder. I want him to be like, oh, this guy's really powerful. I need to chop him down. I need to, I need to get him down to my level and slow things down again because I'm slowed down. Right. And you know what, you know who else did that on Sunday night, Roman Reigns and Kevin Owens, they really displayed the violence and the brutality that those two were going through. And I have to commend both TLC matches for doing that, even though, and we'll get to this in Kevin Owens and Roman Reigns. You know, you want to talk about selling. I love you, Jey Uso, but you got your ass kicked and you still kept coming back like if you were perfectly fine. That was really annoying. We'll get to we'll get to that when yep. we discuss it. Not to get yep. ahead. I apologize. Carry on. Well, we'll get to that TLC match. Let me tell you, we will. This match, again, unnecessary for Miz to be there. But if there's one silver lining. The briefcase is over with. They don't have to worry about it again for another six months. Good. Make a plan. That's all I ask. 100% make a plan. That's all I ask. Our next contest was Sasha Banks defending her SmackDown Women's Championship against Carmella. I finally realized what the gentleman's name is that comes to the ring with her. Reginald Thomas. I have no idea. I hope this doesn't turn out to be uh, Taya Valkyrie and Dino Bravo. That's all I'm asking. That is Listen, an Impact Wrestling reference for any of yeah. you that watch that show. Anyway. Just let Corey Graves come out with Carmella. Just do that. You know, you know, at this rate, they probably should. 
but obviously Corey Graves can't take that bump that Reginald Thomas took. I've heard differently. I've well, heard okay. that. Re- I've heard. I've heard Corey is on the verge of getting cleared, which would be very cool for Corey Graves. But at the same time, at the same time, I will say this: Corey Graves is so good behind the booth. I'm not sure if I want to see him in the ring. So, regardless, I have said that I think this Carmella reboot is very refreshing. I think it works perfectly for the character. Uh, It works perfectly for the performer. And quite frankly, the audience needs this. The audience needs it and the division needs it. Because, look, I'm not saying that, you know, bringing champagne to the ring and being snooty and trying to get cheap heel heat is anything new. Because, of course, it's not anything new. But at least you are seeing the evolution or another evolution of Carmella, the performer. And by the way, this match was important for two different reasons. And it's two very important reasons as to why I actually really enjoyed this match. There were two goals that needed to happen in this match. One Carmella needed to showcase that not only is she back, but that she's an actual threat and a competent person to be a leader of that division when not only are some of the big names not there, but in order to just make it a deeper division, because there's kind of this gap between the top tier in WWE and then the top tier in NXT that they're leaving there. And even though there's talent in the middle, there's kind of this bridge that needs to be made again with the women's division. And they really need to do a better job of making sure that they don't just put everybody in the same barrel like i i get that you can't push everybody all at the same time but you need to at least people you need to make people at least competent so that's so that's goal number one you you debuted this new character or this new version of carmella you want to keep her strong you have to make sure that she's a long-term part of this division and not somebody that's going to feud with a champion for two months and then she's going to be forgotten and totally lost again Okay, that's number one. Number two is you have to make people believe that Sasha Banks is here to stay. Okay, for those of us that are fans of Sasha Banks, we know that there are times where she is one of the best female competitors they have in that company, period. One of the best performers they have in that company, period, regardless of gender. I just point this out because of the point I just made about the women's division. Not just the company, professional wrestling as a whole. However, there are some bad habits that she has. And it's probably kept her from remaining at that top level and for the fans and for the WWE universe to treat her in the same position as right below the Charlotte, Becky Lynch, that tier of where they see them. She's not necessarily in the middle, but she's like at the bottom end of the top portion of the division, if that makes sense. So the second thing they had to do in this match is they had to say, you're our champ. You're going to have a semi-long run, and we're going to make the WWE Universe buy into the fact that you are a main event talent in this division once and for all. 
This match did both of those things very, very well. And I know what you're going to say. Well, it was only a 12-minute match. Not every match that's good has to be 30 minutes. Okay? This match was essentially Sasha Banks trying to prove that she can out-wrestle Carmella and Carmella trying to prove that she's back and that she's going to be dangerous. And then Sasha put her in her submission move and she won. This does not bury Carmella. It does not hurt Carmella. It gives more credence to Sasha taking that next step in the evolution of her being what I just said. I have one problem in this match. And I do mean one. That's how good I thought this match was. I actually thought this was uh, one of the better matches on the show. For sure. Again, it didn't have to be anything special. It just had to do what it set out to do. And it did them. So I can't complain about that. Okay, here's my complaint. They have got to stop mentioning Eddie Guerrero in every match Sasha Banks is in. Okay? I get it. She does the three amigos. I get it. She does the frog splash. I get it. She does a bunch of Lucha stuff that, you know, Eddie Guerrero and Rey Mysterio and a bunch of other Lucha wrestlers did. Great. Lots of people use Lucha, and we don't use Eddie Guerrero as a reference in every match. Okay? If you want to pull out the Three Amigos as a special thing every once in a while, great. If you want to do a variation of the move that kind of puts the, you know, Sasha sparkle to it, for lack of a better term, great, okay? Nothing is fresh in wrestling, or very few things are fresh in wrestling. I don't know. Do something that's unique to Sasha Banks, because last I checked, we're pulling for Sasha Banks. So I get it. You want to pull off moves? Great. And by the way, I'm not blaming Michael Cole for this. I won't do that because he's fed his lines. It's not like he's going off the cuff. Although when he turned heel and he was vintage, this coal miners. Yeah. Yeah. That was him being character that needed to end like seven years before it began. The point is stop utilizing something else to push Sasha Banks. Just push Sasha Banks because she's Sasha Banks. That's all I ask. Otherwise, great match. You know, you know, I'll piggyback off of that, and then I'll go ahead and give my 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 thoughts in regards to Sasha and Carmella. Um, you know, there's other wrestlers that are that their influence is Eddie Guerrero, right? There's a lot of them. Peyton Royce has gone on record on a multitude of occasions saying Eddie Guerrero was my favorite wrestler when I was growing up. And Peyton Royce does the Three Amigos every once in a while, and it's special. You know why, Ross? Because of what I just said. She does it every once in a while. Sasha's starting to incorporate it more and more into her moveset, which I can appreciate it, especially as an Eddie Guerrero fan. By the way, not saying Ross is not an Eddie Guerrero fan. On the contrary, Ross is a very big Eddie Guerrero fan, as, of, as and you guys know that Eddie's G for me. He's one of the legends. But I don't need to see Sasha doing it all the time. And here's the other thing. This is the one thing that actually kind of irritates me, just a small smidge. You want to use the frog splash as, your, as a maneuver in your moveset. Great. It better work because then you're making, to me, the move look weak. 
when Carmella can kick out of a frog splash, you're making, to me, I feel like you're going ahead and ruining the frog splash for me. Because Frog Splash was Eddie's finisher. Eddie won the WWE title from Brock Lesnar on a Frog Splash. Granted, Brock Lesnar also got the holy bejesus speared out of him by Bill Goldberg. And not to mention Brock went face first into the WWE title. That being said, not everybody kicked out of the Frog Splash, right? Kurt Angle clicked out of the Frog Splash on a multitude of occasions. He's Kurt Angle, right? My point is, if you're going to have Sasha do the move, I want it to be a finisher. I don't want people kicking out of it. I just don't. First of all. Second of all, you talked about things being recycled in wrestling and whatnot. You're right. Sasha's not the first person using the frog splash in WWE right now. Do you know how many people are using the frog splash in WWE right now, Ross? Three. Uh, let's see. Sasha. Montez. Yes. And Dom. Didn't Seth use it for a little bit too? Or did Seth only do the crossbody? No, no, no. Seth, you, oh, there we go. Okay, five, because Kevin Owens does a variation of the frog splash. He calls it the bull frog splash. And and Seth has used the, the frog splash on a multitude of occasions. Okay. So you got five people, five people using the frog splash. The frog splash isn't the super, isn't the super kick here, people. This is not a transition maneuver. This is a finisher. And by the way, so is the super kick because Shawn Michaels used sweet chin music. And now Dolph Ziggler uses a super kick as well. I just, if you're going to have the frog splash be used by Sasha Banks, I better be seeing a three count after it. Because if not, it makes the move look weak to me. And I would hate to think that Eddie Guerrero's move was weak because another person's using it and then can't get the three count. That all being said, Sasha and Carmella brought the house down. They really, really did. This match was I, – I, I actually had expectations for this match, Ross. I had high expectations. Why? Because, first of all, I mean, I've said it before. I'll say it again. Sasha is one of the top-tier women's wrestlers, not just in WWE, but in the world as a whole. One. Two, and I went on a rant about this last week, and I'll go on a rant on it just a little bit smaller this time. People have stopped have got to stop giving so little credit to Carmella. It's just, it's getting annoying at this point. She is good. Not good for a cheerleader, not good for a blonde, not good for a girl who was a valet and then became a full-time wrestler. Carmella has just gotten good. Carmella is one of the not top, top tier levels of, of, of the women's division. You know, she's not on the Charlotte, Becky, Bailey, Sasha, Oscar train, but she is, solid B. She is a solid B. You know, she's in there with Alexa and she's in there with, she's better than Lacey and she's, she's better than Naomi to me. And by the way, Naomi's a very good wrestler, but Carmella's better. You know, she's in that, she's in that gap where she's almost getting towards Natalia. Almost. And Natalia is great, by the way. That being said, high expectations. These two ladies met them and they met them with flying colors i thought 12 minutes was a perfect amount of time this match went was really well paced this match had a lot of speed to it this match told the story carmella's transition into the code of silence on sasha was money that was a money transition i was really really impressed with that sasha selling was on point as it always is 
Carmella had so much offense in this match and it was different offense and it wasn't her baby face offense, but she was still able to use that and make it into a heel dynamic. Reginald being involved in the match, I didn't need it. I, it was unnecessary. And I mean, it's fine that they wanted to do it, but he was just standing there looking good with a good suit. He didn't need to be there. You know, Carmella was holding her own just fine. Um, Sasha winning was absolutely 100% the right move because Sasha needs to have a long title ring. I'm, I'll say, I said it before, I'll say it again. I believe this is Sasha Banks' current longest WWE women's title reign, not including her NXT run, and I'm glad to finally see it. I, If you ask me, do I want a rematch between these two? I'd tell you absolutely any given day. Absolutely. I was shocked by the, by the amount of, of chemistry between these two ladies. They, they it, From a wrestling match standpoint, Ross, from a wrestling match standpoint, golly, man. It might be, it might have been the best wrestling match on the show. May have been the best wrestling match because obviously the TLC matches are TLC, no rules, hardcore matches, right? I, this was better to me than the tag team matches. It was. And that's no disrespect uh, to those, but they, it, you know, it was good. It was really good. Carmella has uh, massively improved. And that doesn't mean that she sucked before. It just means that uh, she has. Look, she she took her time off. And again, I'm not stating that people don't take their time off seriously because we're going to get to somebody who also took their time off very seriously. Um, when these people get time off, um, they still train. Like a lot of them still like don't just completely unplug and then just expect to get it back. Like they're still learning. They're still like honing their craft. That's, that, that's their job. So... In order for her to come back and really be respectable, you know, she had to be able to pull off this gimmick and be able to pull off her work in the ring. And she's done both. And I can't wait to see what's next. Yeah. Um, I know they that she tapped it. out, but uh, I would not mind seeing these two wrestle again at the Royal Rumble. And not to mention, you know what, man? Who hasn't tapped out to the bank statement? Everybody taps out to the bank statement. Bailey, Becky, Charlotte. There's only one person that I can think of off the top Oscar. of my head. That- Asuka hasn't tapped out. That's the only person that I can think of that has yet to tap out. Other than that, everybody and their mother taps out to the bank statement, and you shouldn't be you shouldn't be disappointed in yourself for doing so. That's probably one of the best submission finishers in the game right now. That is a crippler. That's a crossface with just every ounce of torque Sasha Banks has, and she is yanking at the bottom of your spine. If you're not going to tap out to that, you're Mister you're you're Mister Fantastic. No, but you know what? I think Carmella's code of silence actually works too. Um, it's it's when she locks it in, as long as she grabs the front of her heel and actually yep. pulls to go ahead yep. and give you that real torque, that's the only way that I'll take it seriously. She's got to make sure that she's got you know a good grip on her foot. If it does, it's that is a really, really good finisher because again, her cheerleading background makes sense for her to be able to go ahead and hold herself up on one arm and then just be yanking with her foot. Dude, yep. that's a money submission. It's it, This was a great match. This was a great match. It was a 12-minute and 10-second match. I have very little complaints. Tag team title match for the Raw Tag Team Championships. It was the New Day, Kofi Kingston and Xavier Woods, defending their titles against the Hurt Business, represented by Cedric Alexander and Shelton Benjamin, with MVP at ringside. Ladies and gentlemen, I will tell you, 
that I am very happy this finally happened on two fronts. One, the New Day didn't need to hold the titles anymore. And two, they're actually treating the Hurt Business as a serious entity on Raw because now, now this group, I hate to use the term power and belts because belts are not always treated the same way. But look, you come out on TV as a group with a bunch of belts, people notice you. Take the Undisputed Era. They held a lot of belts. People notice them. Evolution. Evolution held all the belts. It makes sense. Like, these things are not hard. Yep. You're going to treat the Hurt Business as a serious entity on Raw. You need to slowly build up a couple of those guys as your tag team champions. And then whatever level you put Bobby Lashley at, you just need to build him from there. And then hopefully don't just completely take the keys out of the ignition and just ruin it. Right. And by the way, can I just say something really quickly? How... How much of a difference has Bobby Lashley made to the U.S. title since he's been holding it since September? Um, or August, excuse me. A massive difference. You know, there were, there were the days just six or seven months ago where the U.S. champion was taking clean losses on Raw to go ahead and make somebody be the number one contender. When was the last time you saw Bobby Lashley take a pin? I can't remember. It's been, it's been a while. Uh, did, he get pinned, did he get pinned by, it was either Drew or Braun. It was a while ago. I mean, Drew, Drew pinned him back at Backlash in their WWE title match. So that was which, how long ago? That was back all the way at, uh, what, June, May, May. Okay. So I don't know if he's not been pinned in six months, but he's been very rarely pinned in the last six months. That's what I'm saying. That's okay. what I'm saying. That the seriousness okay. of that they've taken the hurt business has positively affected the United States championship is what I'm trying to get at. And I, I hope that the, the seriousness that they're using on the hurt business also allows a, ma- a massive amount of positivity to be brought onto the raw tag team titles. Um, I've said this every time this group is brought up. Uh, every time MVP and Bobby Lashley are, are paired together, it works. That it, it's it's sometimes these things they just work. So I for one am glad this is happening. So as for the match, um, it was ten minutes. It was nothing totally out of the ordinary. Um, you know, again, it's it's back to here. Here, here are some of the things I was looking for in this match. I was making sure, first of all, and I can't believe I, I'm, I'm questioning this. You know who I was most worried about in this match? Okay. Shelton Benjamin. Really? Okay. And boy, howdy, was were my were my reservations immediately erased? Like two that. minutes into this match, I hear that he did look. He looked great. Like this. However, I will say this. This was absolutely Cedric Alexander's coming out party on the main roster. Yes, it was. And I was going to get to Cedric Alexander, and that's that's a nice segue. Cedric Alexander, everybody has been waiting for the Cedric Alexander from the Cruiserweight Classic. They've been waiting for that guy to show up again. They've been not the 205 Live guy, not the guy that's, you know, whatever. They've been waiting for cruiserweight classic Cedric Alexander to come back. It's taken a while. I'm not saying he's back, 
but him being the tag team champions with Shelton Benjamin in this group is a great start because if anything, if there, if there are guys that need to be rehabilitated on this roster, Cedric Alexander is probably close to the top of the list and putting him in the hurt business was a nice step forward, but they had to have the gumption to go through with it and actually start gaining some confidence. This is a good start. And you're absolutely right. This match was dedicated towards putting Cedric Alexander over. And that's exactly what it did. Shelton Benjamin was there for the ride. He was a very nice piece to this match. Again, I hadn't really seen him wrestle in a while. Again, in a tag team match, there's a little more coordination that goes on. Um, I was I was pleased with Kofi Kingston and Xavier Woods' performance in this match. I've, I've said a lot of bad things about the New Day. I've never said that Kofi Kingston was not a good performer. I've never said Xavier Woods was not a good performer. I've said some things about their position in the company. But again, that's my opinion. I'm not WWE. If they want to put them on top for seven years, that's fine. But they did the right thing. Okay? They put the team over that's on television every week that they're building an angle around. Great. Great. It took them long enough, but it's here. It was a 10-minute match. I'm fine with it. Yeah, you know, it was a good match. Um, you know, Kofi taking the pin, I thought was the was okay. I was okay with that call. Why? Because Cedric Alexander just pinned a former WWE champion to win the tag team titles. Not the fact that he picked Co- pinned Kofi Kingston. He pinned former WWE champion Kofi Kingston. If that's not one hell of a rub onto Cedric Alexander, I don't know what is. That's the first thing. Second of all. I'm going to take this time to go ahead and compliment the New Day because in the last two months, in the last, excuse me, the last two pay-per-views, so in the last 30 days, actually, they did two very important things for their legacy. One, they put over the Street Profits as currently the number one tag team in WWE, right? Two, they now have given the opportunity for another what I think could be a very major player in the tag team division in the Hurt Business, the shot to run with the gold and finally not be at the top of the food chain. Because as much as I love the New Day, and I do love the New Day, the New Day has been on top for a really long time, a really long time. And we just need fresh blood. And WWE can make the call all they want because they sell all the merch all the, all the time and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, Kofi and X aren't, they're not spring chickens anymore. They're not. They've been at the top of the tag team division, Ross, since 2015. Can you name another tag team that's had another run like that? I can name three, and they're all Hall of Famers, but at some point, they all kind of hit a brick wall. That was the Dudleys, the Hardys, and Edge and Christian. You know? And yes, I am going to take this time to compare the New Day with those three, because I think the New Day is... I've said it's been the Usos for a long time, but I think I might change my tune. I think the New Day is probably the best tag team of this entire generation, and I don't think that that's necessarily a stretch. So I have to compliment X and Kofi for doing what they did. Match-wise, 100% Cedric Alexander stole the show. His lumbar check is absolutely one of the most underrated finishers in the game, and he used it with beauty. 
on 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 Kofi. Kofi Kofi was in this match a long time. Did you notice that? Yeah, Kofi took a lot of the beating. I, I don't know if that was the fact that maybe X is still rehabilitating the Achilles tendon and making sure not to go too hard in the paint. But I was surprised to not see him be in action as much when the amount of time that he spent in the ring at Survivor Series with Montez Ford and um, and and Dawkins was a lot more than in the Spanish, but that's fine. It's no big deal. Shelton Benjamin, it was great to see him be so on his feet, you know? And you know what was the really important part of this match that I that I, that I I needed to make sure it happened the way that it happened, Ross? MVP did not get involved. MVP was just at ringside. He let Shelton and Cedric do their thing and they won clean. And that's how you go ahead and make somebody look like a legitimate threat by beating somebody not by cheating but by beating that you can still win clean and be a heel that's what cedric alexander and Sheldon Benjamin just did there was one thing um that i was a little bit confused by and that was cedric alexander's tagging in without Sheldon benjamin knowing that that was going to happen it was like why would you do that but at the same time Sheldon benjamin just went ahead and played it off because they won the tag team titles but that that was very interesting i don't know if that's a, a sign of things to come of Shelton Benjamin is the quote-unquote weak link of the Hurt Business. I hope it's not, but that was definitely something to keep an eye on. That being said, it was uh, it was a match. It look this fits in the middle of this card. Yeah, it didn't need to be anything spectacular. It's not necessarily a changing of the guard. I'm not going to say that, but this. This absolutely needed to happen, and they made it happen, and they didn't absolutely. waste time. Yeah, so. the, the, the one thing was that this match probably wasn't as good as their Monday Night Raw match from back in November. I thought that – I mean, a lot of people have gone to town on that match saying that that was probably one of the best matches of the entire calendar year, which I can fully respect. But sometimes it's the end result that actually is what matters as opposed to the display in the ring. And by the way, I, I, I say that you know, I can actually say that because I usually complain about the fact that I need something great in the ring to be happening. And I'm willing to forgive the result afterwards, as long as you gave me great stuff. This match between the New Day and the Hurt Business was the complete opposite. They could have given me a crappy ass match, which by the way, they didn't, but they could have given me a crappy ass match. And all I wanted was to make sure that the Hurt Business was the people that went over. But we got a really, we, we got a strong match. Not a, not a, not a, whoa, but it wasn't crap by all, by any means. And the Hurt Business went over, and that's exactly what needed to happen. Our next match was for the WWE Women's Tag Team Championships. It was Shayna Baszler and Nia Jax defending their titles against Asuka and a mystery partner because, uh, well, Lana was uh, written off in this match. She got got injured. She's going to be off TV for about three to four weeks. So the rumors started flying about who Asuka's partner was going to be. There was a legitimate chance that Asuka was going to go into this match without a partner. There were some rumors on the internet. I mentioned some possibilities last week. We discussed last week. And they did the most WWE thing possible. They put the odd couple together. <laughs> yes, ladies and gentlemen, Oscar's mystery partner was the return of Charlotte Flair. Now, I will not mince words. 
I was not surprised at all, actually. Because what this will, of course, lead to is Charlotte will turn on Asuka and they will feud for the Raw Women's title at WrestleMania. That is where this is going. I have zero doubt in my mind. That is where this is going. Which means... Bailey's probably winning the Rumble. <laughs> so we can get Bailey and Sasha part 7,000. Um, no, look. Um, pretty much no matter what they were going to do in this match, they were probably going to take the titles off of Shayna and Nia. It has not worked. It was not going to work. I actually want Shayna and Nia to feud and Shayna just beat the crap out of her. That would be awesome. I don't need to go into a 10-minute diatribe about that. That's all I'll say about it. The point is, as soon as Charlotte Flair walked out, I was like, titles are changing hands. Not going to be a long match. So, of course, for any of you that don't know or have been under a rock for the last, you know, forever, um... They had this nice little triangle of like Becky couldn't beat Charlotte, Oscar. Like it was, it was this whole thing of like they couldn't beat each other. So like Oscar couldn't beat Charlotte for a while, and Becky couldn't beat Oscar. Well, Becky got her win back, of course, and uh, and Charlotte couldn't beat Becky for a couple minutes for 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 a small bit. There was a small true. bit. Yeah, it's true. So because this is wrestling, and that's what they're gonna do. Um, it would be a perfect story to have Asuka just get her win over Charlotte Flair and retain her title. And you can turn Charlotte Flair heel and everybody will totally believe it because she's basically already heel anyway. Because there were some people that uh, I I try not to base anything, my opinion-wise, based on what other people write. And I don't want to give specific people credit. I, I just saw just countless comments of just groan, you know, Charlotte Flair, lol. I'm just like, okay, as much as I understand that that's not the choice I would have made, if it leads somewhere, I'm okay with it. As for the match, eh, again, there, there, there are so many, like, three of these four competitors are great, and then there's Nia Jax. Um, these tag team belts suck. They suck. And I don't think it has anything to do with the performers. I just think it has to do with the fact that literally from day one, they have not taken them seriously. They just suck. Like the one cool thing they did with them was didn't Bailey and Sasha take them to NXT for one night? Yeah. Okay. That was kind of cool. But I, like, think, I think Austin Kyrie may have taken them down to NXT one night too. Okay cool yeah like take them places great but like okay i know what the next statement is well ross there's only one set of belts i do not need raw and smackdown women's tag team championship belts i don't need it because with with as much talent as they have they don't do a good job of it because clearly nobody is writing anything for them so literally, it's just more belts for people to put on their resume. So was this a good tag team match? No. Was it cool to see Charlotte back? Yes. 
Was it kind of cool to see Charlotte and Asuka working together instead of against each other for a change? Yes. I will admit that because they're great. You put two of the best in the business together as a tag team, it'll work. And with as much as I complain about the fact that two single stars becoming a tag team beating, but they didn't beat an established tag team because there are no established tag teams in the women's division. So I can't really complain about it when it doesn't matter. Oh, so, there, is, there is one established tag team in the women's division, but carry on. Are you talking about the Riot Squad? Damn right, I'm talking about the Riot Squad. They got a long way to go, brother. Hey, man. Don't you be first the Riot Squad. Right? Okay. That's the last, okay. that's the one and only warning I'm going to give you. Go ahead. Okay. Tell you what. Tell you what. If the Riot Squad beat Asuka and Charlotte Flair for the tag team titles in the next two months, I'll buy you lunch. Book it, WWE. Book it. I don't even want the lunch. However, I just wanted that happen. However, the caveat is if they don't, you buy me lunch. I'll do it. I mean, yeah, we'll do it when COVID's over because you're probably going to be right. That's all I'm saying. That's all, all right. That's fine. Is there anything you want to say about this match? I mean, just Charlotte looked great, man. Charlotte, I mean, it's. Charlotte like, looked awesome. Yeah, it's just like she's gone for five months. Or, yeah, no, because how long has she been? She's been gone since July. So we're in December right now. So she was gone for five months. She came back. She looked like she had just been gone for one week. Unreal. Like just crisp on it. And yes, does it help that she was working alongside Asuka and then on the other side was, was Shayna? Sure. Doesn't it always? But then at the same time, they were working with the best women's wrestler of all time. So it's just, it's, Charlotte Flair really is on a different level. Her and Asuka are, are there's, there's, there's levels to this game, man. There's levels to this game. And there's one certain level that only two women exist at right now. And that's Charlotte Flair and Asuka and nobody else. And everybody else, even including Becky Lynch, who's my homie, is still right below that. She's still right below that. It's unreal. Um, I'm cool with this because, again, just like you said, they didn't beat an established tag team. They beat Shayna Baszler and Nia Jax. And by the way, I will tell, I will tell you this. This is probably Shayna and Nia's best match together, probably, since they've been tag team champions. Yikes. Which, which now, hold on. It also has to do with the competition that they've been, you know, playing around with and whatnot. You know, some of their matches were Mandy and 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 um, and Dana Brooke, which, by the way, no disrespect to, to Mandy, who's great, who's also been another performer who's been exceptional over the last two years. But I mean, look at Mandy and and, and Dana compared to Sasha and Bailey, and compared to Oscar and Charlotte, and then compared to some of the other women who are more of the top tier in the women's division and whatnot. You know, it, it also has to do with the competition that you're dealt with and whatnot. But at the same time, Shayna and Nia really never had that chemistry that you need in order to succeed as a tag team. You could always tell that it was Shayna that was carrying the heavy load, literally, because, um, you know, Nia is not a very good wrestler. She's just not. Um, so, you know what? You talk about Bailey's going to go ahead and win the 2021 Royal Rumble. This opens up to what I said was going to happen, which is Shayna Baszler should be winning the 2021 Royal Rumble. And I hope that that's the case. I'm not going to go down that road. It's just going to upset me. It's really all I know, I'm going to say. I know, but so. I'm, I'm, I'm pushing it, man. I'm pushing for it because it needs to happen. It needs to happen. That being said, the WWE Universal title match 
between Roman Reigns and Kevin Owens. Where do I begin? First of all, I already ranted about the fact that uh, this match has no story. None. So he decided, let's have Kevin Owens have a title match. We'll do it at TLC. We'll make it a TLC match. Because. And it was done. Jorge, I'm going to ask you a question. I may have a couple of follow-ups if I feel the need. Are you... Are you ready? Always. Okay. What is Roman Reigns' gimmick right now? He's the head of the table. Are there any other names he uses besides head of the table? Uh, The tribal chief. Okay. So, if you are the head of the table, the tribal chief, I don't care that he doesn't use it anymore. The big dog. Okay. (laughs) Sorry, right. just I'm just hearing Michael Cole in my head right now. Go ahead. The big dog. Okay. If those are your gimmicks, right? Right? Even though you're a heel and you have people that like do work for you and like help you stay head of the table, right? Mm. You would think that if you're the tribal chief and the head of the table that, you know, you can you can take care of business. You're the man. You are the top. Nobody stands up to you. You're at the tippy top. You're basically the king. Mm-hmm. You're the boss. Right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Set all of that up. He has a match with Kevin Owens, who, by the way, on the what was it the was it was it the go home show of SmackDown or the week before, they buried Kevin Owens in tables, ladders, and chairs and beat him to death within an inch of his life. Yes, yes. Why was Jey Uso double teaming Kevin Owens for twenty minutes of this match? That was listen, um. Before we go anywhere on this one, I will tell you that I was a fan of this match with a caveat. Had it been Jey Uso not interfering for 20% of this match. This oh, no, match, it, it was it was 80% of the match. You're right. I'm trying to I'm, well, I'm be more, a little bit more realistic, but yes, he interfered a lot. I'll be honest with you. Yes. And I'll give that. I'll give that one to you. Had it been he doesn't interfere that much, this match was an instant classic, right? To me, to me. You you might disagree, and that's fine. But because of the interference so much of Jey Uso, this took it from an instant classic to just a really, really good match. Now, there's nothing wrong with a really, really good match, but an instant classic is an instant classic. What's an instant classic of Roman Reigns? AJ Styles and Roman Reigns at Extreme Rules 2016. His WrestleMania 31 main event with Brock Lesnar. The Shield versus the Wyatts at Elimination Chamber. So on and so forth. Heck, him and John Cena at No Mercy in 2017. The Fatal 4-Way, I could go on and on. Those are instant classics, right, Ross? 
they messed up by making Roman look not weak. wasn't weak because he still beat the holy hell out of Kevin Owens. But he didn't need Jey Uso out there. And I guess what the actual real story of this, because there was a story to me, right? Is maybe just Jay trying to prove himself to Roman. But I mean, how do you prove yourself when Kevin Owens is beating the holy bejesus out of you all over the ring? Wait, 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 like, time out, time out, time out, time out. Go ahead, please. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jay Uso has to prove himself after taking beating after beating after beating and then submitting himself and joining him. He has to prove himself more. Now, I realize that's a very heel thing for Roman to ask, but I guess my point is this. If I'm supposed to believe that Roman Reigns is this guy that wears a shirt that says wreck everything but needs his, you know, familia to help him take out Kevin Owens. Mm-hmm. Really? Well, that's the other thing, though. Hold on. When you say to take out Kevin Owens, you make it seem... I know what you're going to say about Kevin Owens. I don't want to go down that route because it's going to make me really sad because I don't think that you... Kevin Owens, Kevin Owens. My theme song is this. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Hey, that's one of the better theme songs in the game today. All right? Let's be honest. But that all being said, Jey Uso interfered way too much in this match. Now, can we take out Jey Uso for just one moment? kind of hard to but go ahead i know i know it is i know it is but i just want to focus on the match itself which obviously involved a lot of jay uso but jay uso took a beating in this match jay uso had his foot busted open jay uso went through a table with a power bomb jay uso took a stunner jay jay uso took super kick after super kick like you know jay uso took a beating this might have well you might as well had jay uso be an actual person in this match like an actual make make it a triple threat or a two-on-one handicap match right that all being said the focus the, the the point of kevin owens versus roman reigns now that those two went to town on one another and you might say well there is no story and whatnot but there is a story the, to me the story ross was the fact that a People forgot that Kevin Owens has been the prize fighter before and he was looking to prove them wrong. That's the first thing. Second of all, their hell hath no fury like Roman Reigns is scorn. You piss Roman Reigns off, he will destroy you. Like he's like a freaking Terminator these days. It's unreal. And thirdly, the lengths that Kevin Owens was willing to go to put himself back on top so that people could remember who he was. Because you, let's be honest, Kevin Owens hasn't been the same since 2016. He hasn't. He lost. 2016 was his year. He was he was killing Sami Zayn left and right. He became Universal Champion. Him and Chris Jericho were running the show, and then he ran into that brick wall named. Please do it. Go ahead. What's the brick wall that he ran into at Fastlane in 2017? Bill. Goldberg. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. it's okay. You, you you totally butchered it. I gave you the opportunity, and you basically cut your parachute way too early. It's Bill Goldberg. Thank you. That's how I wanted you to do it because I do it crappily. Anyways, he ran into that brick wall, and he hasn't been the same since. And you've made fun of him for bringing a pizza, eating loving loving baby face. You've you know 
talked about his weight, how he's just a fat guy who can talk. And I totally get that. And by the way, that's, 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 that's understandable, you know? And he came back in 2019 and he was supposed to be a baby face. He was in that triple threat match with Ali and with Daniel Bryan and he lost. And then he turned heel on Kofi and then he lost to Kofi. And then he's just kind of floundered. This was Kevin Owens reigniting himself and refining himself. And 2020 has been a weird year for for, for Kevin Owens. You know, he, he, he beat, Seth Rollins at WrestleMania, but what else has he done? You know, and then last year he beat Shane McMahon in that ladder match on the first SmackDown on Fox. But what has he done? Like where, where has it taken him? Where has it propelled him to? And I think that in storyline basis, this TLC match was Kevin Owens refining himself and saying, I am the prize fighter. I am just as brutal as anybody else on this, on this, in this promotion. And I'm going to take it to a guy who I've already beaten on a couple of different occasions. And that's the other thing. That's that's one thing that, Ross, I'm not going to lie to you, didn't necessarily sit well with me when it was coming to commentary, making it seem like Kevin Owens was this major underdog where it's like, well, Kevin Owens has beaten Roman Reigns on more than one occasion. But again, they're treating us like we're a stupid fan base that we don't remember stuff and that we're goldfish. You always talk about that. But when it comes to a rivalry such as Kevin Owens and Roman Reigns, and by the way, that is a rivalry. That's not one of those, oh, it's just Roman Reigns having destroyed him on 17 different occasions. No, Kevin Owens has beaten Roman Reigns. That has to be discussed. That has to be brought to the table. Yes. Is it a different Roman Reigns nowadays? Absolutely. But Kevin Owens is always still willing to go to that prize fighter mode. And it needs to be discussed in order for me to appreciate what is going on in the ring. Does that make sense? But that's not who he is. Who that's that's not who KO is? I don't know. This that's not who KO is, and it's not the Roman Reigns that we see now. I which I understand that, but it still needs to because you still have to remember that. It's always in the back of their brain. It's always in the back of their brain that they still can bring that type of performance to the table. That they, I don't know, man. I, I think it is. It still is who they are because that's still a rivalry. They still met one another in high stakes circumstances, and those situations need to be brought up in another high stakes circumstance. Uh, I just, to me, this match went too long. There was too much Jey Uso, and I didn't need this match to be what it was i i i needed roman reigns to move kevin owens out of the way and go on to the next thing he's going to wreck because that's the gimmick just be consistent that's all i ask kevin owens is defeated as uh, roman reigns uh retains his universal championship i thought that they put on a pretty good match but I understand. I understand where you're going with it, and that's and I respect that. And I'll give it to you. I'll, I'll let you have it. But I thought this was one of KO's better better performances from a booking standpoint. Because let's be let's be completely honest. Kevin Owens. I'll say this till I'm wrong. Is one of the top wrestlers in this promotion. Kevin Owens is one of the top wrestlers in in this entire professional wrestling game. Um, but it was really nice to see 
him being booked as strongly as he was in this match. And he was booked extremely strong in this match. He was wrecking people left and right. And I will tell you this right now, Roman Reigns took uh, one of the better stunners I've seen delivered by Kevin Owens. Yeah, that just made me upset that he still does that move. Listen, you talk about you. You just talked about forty-five minutes ago. Moves get recycled. Yes. At least, at least Kevin Owens is using the stunner to win stuff. Where yeah, Sasha the, Banks has people kicking out of her frog splash. I, I, I'm I'm sorry. I don't I don't need somebody doing the figure four. I don't need somebody doing the leg drop. I don't need somebody doing the stole gold stunner. There. Uh, I'm sorry. Just don't need it. I understand that, and and, and uh, we'll get off this topic in a second, and we'll talk about the Inferno, uh, the Firefly Inferno match in a moment. But here's the thing about moves, about being okay with moves being recycled, at least from my end, Ross. You got. I'm going to use Austin Theory. Shout out to Austin Theory. He's a really good. He, he's great in NXT nowadays. He's been really good. Um, it seems like he's getting more of the limelight now that he's associated with Johnny Gargano and Candice LeRae. That's great, and all. However, the problem with a lot of these indie guys that are now coming into WWE is that they're trying to be different, right? So they're trying to go ahead and make really complicated finishers that they can only use on dudes that are three times smaller than him. And he uses this new finisher that looks like the bitter end from Pete Dunne, and he used it on Leon Ruff, who's smaller than my son's. And it's like, oh, my God, that's incredible. But he can only use that on a dude that that's, who's that small. You think he's going to go ahead and do that to Damian Priest? No. So what else are wrestlers supposed to go ahead and do? Like, okay, you talk about being creative with a new finishing move, but bro, there's only so many certain things that the body will let you do. Does that make sense? It does. Still doesn't mean I like this match. That's, no, I'm not asking you about the match. I'm just maybe, you know, Kevin Owens can't do the pop-up powerbomb to everybody, essentially. Yes, so find something that's not iconic like the Stone Cold Stunner. If it was up to you know what? The fish the the uh what do you, the the Argentine netbreaker from the top rope is something that he could use, but that'll kill somebody. And the fisherman suplex that he uses from the top rope, he can't do it, he can't do to everyone as well. So it's like yeah. you know, it's just one of those situations, but evolve. Match, ev- I mean that all being said, again, I, 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 I talked about this when we talked Drew McIntyre versus AJ Styles, and I'll say it right now. This TLC match was also extremely, extremely physical. Extremely physical. And True. It, it was, to me, it made me enjoy it. I thought both of the TLC matches this year were very strong. How much do we want to spend on the Firefly Inferno match? <laughs> okay. Where, where do I begin? I don't know. It was really hot at Tropicana Field, though. I, I, I think I want. To, well, okay. First of all, Randy Orton and the Fiend Bray Wyatt had a Firefly Inferno match. I, I, I want to. Can I mention something really quickly as we talk, as we discuss it? So, Mike Rome, made, you know, he was the announcer for this match. I have to commend him for keeping. A straight face when he was talking when he was giving the introductions for what is this match because you look like i i saw him and i thought he was gonna bust up laughing and he didn't 
It was great. I must commend him for that because you, I don't think you can say any of what he said with a straight face. In order to beat your opponent, you had to set them on fire. On fire. Now, I'm going to say this one time because literally I could spend the rest of the time allotted for this match on the fact that I legitimately thought Randy Orton came out wearing disco clothing. Not kidding. Then I realized it was his sweater with dark pants. There are a lot of things I could say. Needless to say, not a good look for Randy Orton in a any type of wrestling match. Not at all. In fact, I would retire this look forever. Okay? Forever. The only time I'm going to mention it. Second of all, what is the entire purpose of this feud, mind you, Jorge? Do we know? Does anybody know? I'm not sure. I mean, is this getting is them is this them getting rid of the fiend? So now you mentioned history, right? These two have a long history. Yeah. Involving Sister Abigail, the burning down of a house, bugs at WrestleMania, a WWE title, uh, them being the tag team champions of SmackDown, only for them to break up and then feud with the bugs match at WrestleMania. Yeah, they've got history. Mm -hmm. So this is what I don't understand. And we'll get to the end. This is what I don't understand. Okay. I've said from the beginning, I don't understand why people think the fiend is like this really cool thing that like is so revolutionary and we all need to just let it play out. Okay. I knew as soon as the Seth Rollins match was over, character's dead dead i especially knew it was dead after the daniel bryan match but it was dead before that they've put a lot of time a lot of time into this character they had him win the title they had him lose the title they had him no-sell matches. They had him vulnerable in matches. They had him have a swamp fight. They had him have a mind attack against John Cena, which was awesome, but it was still weird, and nobody knew what was going to happen. So, The Fiend can, like, he can do whatever he wants, Right? Like, I realize we're not in his world, but, like, I thought he could, like, teleport. <laughs> I thought he was, like, supernatural. I 
I I thought like nothing. So okay, I have to mention this again because it came up. There was an angle that they showed of Randy Orton trying to do something in the match. I swear to God, it looked like it was like a deleted scene from like Saturday Night Fever. I, I'm not kidding. I was like, what on earth is he wearing? <sighs> okay. I said I was only going to say it once. I said it twice. He looked ridiculous. Okay. I said if 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 Randy Orton came out wearing lots of clothes, which he was, that he was getting set on fire. There's no way the fiend is losing this match. What point does it make for Randy Orton to win this match? He can just go out on Raw and like be like, that was creepy. I got lit on fire. It hurt, but like, can I just like get away from you now? Like you set me on fire. Great. Can you like haunt someone else? They probably would. Or, you know, they would just taunt him and then we'd be stuck with this for four months since that's what everybody wants. Not. And then the finish. (laughs) Bray Wyatt got set on fire. (laughs) Or so we're supposed to think. (laughs) So he got set on fire. And well, the, was, Bray Wyatt actually did get set on fire. Uh, yes. Did, yes. Yes. So it was pretty graphic. And it was like, that was that moment where it was, where I was like, that escalated quickly. <laughs> like this, like, like <laughs> it really got out of hand fast. And so I'm looking at this going, okay, he's on fire. Okay. This is, this is, this is clearly not Bray Wyatt anymore. Like, why are we like showing something not Bray Wyatt get burned on pay-per-view and then the show ends. And I look back on this time and I say to myself, I said a lot of positive things on this show, didn't I? I wish, I wish there was part of me that could not use the reference that I used the last time this happened. This was a four course meal. A mostly good show with a couple of matches that didn't really either need to happen or story-wise make no sense for the time being. And then we got a big old pile of turd for dessert. (laughs) A giant pile of turd for dessert. So, with that being said, with that main event, I can't say this is a good show. (laughs) You know, usually, 
usually what I would say is no Ross, you're wrong. The entire middle of this show was strong. The two TLC matches, which were the, 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 the major entrees, if you will, were really good and blah, blah, blah. But I have to agree with you. It was weird. This was weird. The fact that they chose to make this the main event was weird. And I get it. You want to go ahead and sign off with something, somebody or someone getting burned alive. It's an incredible visual. It doesn't mean that it's good. Why would you want to go ahead and showcase your television show with somebody committing murder on live television? Why, who thought that this was a good idea? This is the problem with WWE. This is the problem with professional wrestling. This is not just limited to WWE. They do this thing where they make it entertainment-based, and that's perfectly fine. You're allowed to make it entertainment-based. But this is still a real sport in a lot of manners, in a lot of ways. And then when you include the supernatural in situations like this, it kind of kills it. it. It really does. And it makes people look like fools. And I get that it's a TV show first, but it's still, these are still real athletes who are risking their lives. And it, this is the type of stuff that doesn't allow people to take professional wrestling seriously. And I know that there's a lot of people that are going to be like, oh man, that was a cool thing to do. You know, you, you, you burn somebody alive. Oh, that's creative. Is it though? Is it though? Like, I just feel like it's just not necessary. You know, you've a, Bray Wyatt is a very intelligent mind. And, and, and I'm talking about, um, I forget his, um, Wyndham Rotunda. Thank you. Wyndham Rotunda is a very smart dude and he likes to go ahead and get creative. Obviously we've seen him do the Firefly Funhouse, the Wyatt Swamp Fight, all these different things he's done from his creativity along with some of WWE's creative back, backers. This was the best thing that you could come up with? This was the best thing? This is what Brady Orton said that this was a good idea? Like, damn, guys. This was, this was dumb as hell. So what's, what's, the, uh, what's the end game here? Because to me... Um, isn't the fiend dead? Well, here's the thing. Monday Night Raw comes out. Randy's out in the ring, and then Alexis comes in there. She's like, "He's coming." Well, who? What kind? Where? What exactly is Bray Wyatt going to evolve into next? Like, what, what is this? Like different levels of Frieza's evolution in Dragon Ball Z? This isn't even my final form. <laughs> what? Oh uh, no! Clearly, we are seeing the return of Corporate Kane. It's going to happen. And Bray Wyatt is going to come out dressed in business attire, and uh, it's going to be it's going to be it's going to be the return of the corporation. It's going to happen. Clearly, no. But in all sincerity, <laughs> that, I, mean, <laughs> I got I, I can't I have to stop you there. You're not going to no, you're not going to roll with that, huh? Okay, absolutely not. All no, right. but you you bring up a great point. What is the money? Game? It's it's money. I tell you, money. Go ahead. Literally, is, no, no, money no. Hold is, on. Go ahead. Hold on. Remember, remember, Bray Wyatt's dad was IRS. 
Maybe we can bring back the tag team they always wanted to do since they can't have Undertaker and IRS with the team Death and Taxes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes! Go ahead and make your valid point. I I had to take us on a detour from that absolute garbage we saw in the main event. That was that's fine. It's just (laughs) I don't know. I don't I don't know what they're going to do. I I I just don't get it. Like WWE took Randy Orton from being the hottest superstar of the year, the hottest superstar of the year, because he was Randy Orton. Randy Orton's year was really strong. Yeah, Drew McIntyre was a two-time WWE champion this year. Roman Reigns has been dominating everybody for the last five months. So on and so on. Like, Asuka's been the MVP of the empty arena era, if you will. But Randy Orton was killing it. Randy Orton had a fantastic feud with Edge. Randy Orton had this fantastic feud with Drew McIntyre. I could go on and on. His performance at the Royal Rumble this year was fantastic. And maybe they were just like, Randy Orton's been so hot that he could make this work. But bro, I don't think so. I just don't. And it just doesn't make any sense to me. Like, do you know how much investment that they've put into The Fiend for just them to just light him on fire on live television? That's 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 unfathomable. Like that's that's worse than putting the Spirit Squad into a box and shipping them to Africa, bro. No, actually, no. Okay, hold on. Time out. Time out. Time out. <laughs> that's, okay. I mean... <laughs> no, no, no. Hold on. Hold on. They did not put the Spirit Squad in containers and ship them to Africa. Okay. <laughs> they shipped the Florida. My bad. They oh, were to, they were, to Ohio. Excuse they me. were they were in a match <laughs> where five of them got the heat on two guys for ninety percent of the match. <laughs> they lost, and then Hunter and Sean decided to throw their limp dead carcasses into a box and put an OVW logo on it. They did not ship them to Africa, okay? And mind you, <laughs> we at least got Dolph Ziggler out of that. My bad. I got containers and, and Africa mixed up because I was thinking of Madagascar in my head for a second. You know, I knew a random dumb Disney Plus stupid reference was going to come up on this show, and there it is. <laughs> Apparently now the Spirit Squad and the movie Madagascar forever linked, according to the J Man. Um, look, the, it, 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 look, this this pay per view could have been a nice way to end the year. For the most but, part, it was. But I'm sorry when you're so okay. So what's going to happen? Bray Wyatt got set on fire. He's going to come back in three months, and I'm supposed to care why. Why does he need to come back in three months, though? Like, why does he need to be written off of television? That's my question. Okay. I'm still of the belief that somehow, some way, there are sections of people that watch this product 
actually want the fiend to be a baby face. That's not possible. Okay. I'm not supposed to be sad that the fiend character got burned alive. Fair or not. Okay. All right. You're going to hate me for this comparison. You're going to hate me for even asking you this question, but I have to throw it out there. So I'm going to do it anyways. It's okay. Okay. Why is it bad for the fiend to be a baby face, but the undertaker was okay as being a baby face? What is the difference? Okay. So when undertaker you... oh, was when the undertaker was abducting people and putting them through rituals and all that dark order like antichrist bs stuff that he was doing he was not a baby face i'm well aware of that okay so are we talking about like when he was the dead man when he was the phenom when he was coming out of his american badass or big evil character no like for example bad blood 1997. Okay. The Undertaker was the babyface, not Shawn Michaels. Right? Shawn Michaels okay. was a dick. Okay. okay. Undertaker and Kane at WrestleMania in 1998, at WrestleMania 14. Mm-hmm. Undertaker was the babyface. Didn't Kane try to burn him and bury him alive? Randy Orton just did that to Bray Wyatt on live television. You're meaning to tell me that Bray Wyatt the Fiend is not allowed to be a babyface? Okay, let me ask you a question. When The Undertaker and Kane wrestled at WrestleMania, okay, was Undertaker a interdimensional demon? No. Mm-hmm. Uh, he kind of was getting there. Okay. The answer is no. He's not a interdimensional demon. Oh, and by the way, did The Undertaker come out to the ring with, I don't know, a face of his former self over his light? No, he didn't. He came out with an urn. And oh, and by the way, oh, okay, here's here's another thing for you. In the year in the year of our Lord, 2004. Okay. Didn't the Undertaker didn't babyface Undertaker? Put concrete all over Paul Bear. Yes, he did. And he was still a baby face. Paul Bear was evil. I should mute your ass right now. <laughs> Paul Bear, Paul Bear held the urn as control over the Undertaker. For all we know, for all we know, the Undertaker was an actual Undertaker who was possessed by Paul Bear or Brother Love or anybody else who held the urn. And when he wasn't, he was just a dude. You know, regular old Marky Mark. And when you held the urn, that's, you know, that, that's what Michelle McCool is doing right now. She's holding the urn in okay. Houston, Texas. So let me, let me also ask you a question. Okay. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. Babyface Undertaker. Yeah. Did he ever possess a five-foot woman to be to basically become like this entity that walks around with him no (laughs) (laughs) michelle mccool might be under his i don't know no 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 the answer is no i understand that listen i'm i'm not telling you you're wrong i'm not telling you you're wrong what i'm saying is and first of all first of all 
he's not possessing Alexa Bliss in any way, shape, or form. Alexa Bliss is the one that's drawn to him. Based in storyline, Alexa Bliss is the one that's being attracted towards the fiend. So he had not- so he had, so he had no influence over her current status that she's in at all. Je ne sais quoi. I highly doubt that. Je ne, je ne sais quoi. Um, all I can did you tell speak you speak French? I sure did. Oh my god. Hey, I took French in high school. Don't worry, don't worry. I'm sure he picked himself up some French when he was a concierge. Yeah, you had that one coming. Yeah. <laughs> Just casually bring out French on this show. What's wrong with that? Just shows my my diversity, my my different culture. Tell you what, you can manage the return of the tag team La Resistance and call it a day. Or how about the to. or how about the Quebecers? Um you know, I could, I, I could actually be tell you Kevin what, Owens' manager. Tell you what, you can manage the tag team of Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn that never win the titles. <laughs> they only wouldn't win the titles because Sami Zayn is not is too much of a weak link. That's the only reason. I'm going to move on. My point is, I don't know why they decided to do this. I don't know why they even paired up The Fiend versus Randy Orton to begin with. Um, and this is just weird. And I'm not sure what the end game is. I'm really not. I don't know what the end game is with Alexa Bliss. I don't know what the end game like. How does this lead Randy Orton into Edge? I don't know. There's there. This is all very much all over the place. I don't know why you would write off the Fiend off of television. Um, It's especially because this has been. I'm going to be completely honest with you, Ross. Am I wrong? Is this not Bray Wyatt's most quote-unquote successful character to date? Two-time Universal Champion. Utterly dominated the likes of Daniel Bryan and Seth Rollins. Wait, 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 wait. Time out. Yeah. Most successful. I know that's a weird... How long was How long was his first Universal title run? His first Universal title run? He won in October and lost in February. So what? Four months? Four month reign? Highly forgettable. Four months. Okay. What was his second reign? A month? Two days? <laughs> One week. <laughs> One week. Okay. That's 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 the okay. I'm just okay. I'm just you know putting it out there. Two time W. Two time Universal Champion. He put out all kinds of people out of business. Finn Balor. Nick Foley, you know, Rollins, Brian, Kane, you know, and that sort of gimmick. He put out all these people out of business and stuff like that. I don't know. And not to mention from a critical standpoint, the fiend for the most part has been well-received with the exception of the booking stand of the booking lapses that they've made. But for the most part, the fiend has been well-received. Would you agree? Um, if again, if they're going for the fact that they want the fiend to be a baby face, I think that's failed. Well, that's just, this is nor me, this is nor here nor there me saying that he needs to be a baby face. I'm just trying to go ahead and figure out why they thought that taking him off TV is a good idea. Now. Okay. Here's a gimmick that would work for it to be a baby face. Okay. Okay. If the gimmick is that Bray Wyatt and the fiend are two separate people. Okay. Yeah. The fiend is the heel 
and Bray Wyatt is the baby face. Now, I realize that The Fiend and Bray Wyatt cannot have a match. I understand that. But you have to have some instance of Bray Wyatt overcoming The Fiend and breaking The Fiend away from him as a split personality. Yeah. That would be tricky. I agree it's tricky, but you have time to do it. Instead of just rushing everything and giving him titles and him losing to Goldberg and the Seth Rollins nonsense. Yeah. 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 Now I hear that. I hear that. Just them having this match on this pay-per-view really left a sour taste in my mouth because I'm going to be honest, this pay-per-view was not bad in the slightest prior to this match. The two TLC matches delivered the SmackDown women's title match delivered the Hurt Business won the tag team gold. Charlotte came back. Asuka looked like a million bucks. Shayna's no longer affiliated with Nia Jax. And Biggie got a win over, over Sami Zayn. That doesn't, on paper, that doesn't sound bad in the slightest. Would you agree? So just who made this call to, main, to have this main event? Who made this call to put this match on this pay-per-view? I'd like to have a word with them. Vincent Kennedy McMahon. Well, as much as as much as I thought the show was going to be an hour, it has dragged on, but that's okay because it is the final pay-per-view of this godforsaken year known as 2020. I really wish that I could tell everybody that uh, in two weeks, things are going to be better. Unfortunately, they're probably not. However, we do have some things to look forward to on this show. We have a couple weeks off. We're going to do, and I haven't given the appropriate name for it yet, but essentially we're going to put a twist on the TDT's Classic Series where I'm going to pick three matches. We're going to watch them, and we're going to get an objective opinion about what we think of the matches and rank them. And then we're going to give Jorge a chance to do the same thing. where He's going to pick three matches. I'm going to, well, we're both going to watch them objectively and we'll see where we turn out. I also have to still answer the challenge uh, in one of those two weeks of uh, re-watching the CM Punk John Cena Money in the Bank 2011 match and pairing them off against the WrestleMania 20 main event triple threat match between Benoit, Triple H, and HBK and the Undertaker Shawn Michaels WrestleMania 25 match that should have main evented I will compare those three matches very quickly because I only have one match to watch, even though I've watched it 11 million times, and give my final ranking of my three perfect matches that I have watched. That'll be fun. And then, of course, not too long after that, we will have a Royal Rumble-themed TDT's Classic Series, and then we'll have the Royal Rumble preview and prediction show where we restart the calendar year and we restart the numbers even though we stopped counting nine months ago for this year, we restart the numbers this year. We start counting points again for the Royal Rumble. We'll have a preview and prediction show. And then, of course, a review show. And then we're off and on to on the road to WrestleMania. All right. In the fast lane. Watch out. Well, well, wait, wait, wait. Hold on. Can you? Okay. Uh, are, they, are they not doing Elimination Chamber in February? 
Well, yeah, but the road to WrestleMania always starts at the Royal Rumble. So that's what right, I'm saying. You, right, right, but you were talking about fast lane. Oh, no, I literally meant that you're in the fast lane, not the, oh. fast, the fast lane pay-per-view, that you're in what, the fast lane. What about what about roadblock into the line? Yeah. That, okay, first of all, that was December pay-per-view. Roadblock was the February pay-per-view. Get it right. So uh, it wasn't, right. wasn't, wasn't the character that The Rock played in G.I. Joe, wasn't he roadblock? Ah. Uh, Good question. I see, think think so. See, see, now that would have been great if somehow The Rock would have cost Triple H the title at Roadblock End of the Line, even though that movie wasn't out. Uh, actually, it had already been out for years. Who cares? It's The Rock. You can have him be whatever. You can have him jump for Gladiolas and uh, the other guys. It was hilarious. Hey, you probably get Sam Jackson on Raw, too. That would be money. What can I say? <laughs> what? <laughs> Okay. It's yes, late. he was roadblock, by the way. He was roadblock. Boom. See, I'm a genius. What can I say? All right. Uh so <laughs> I'm very tired. I'm okay. almost I'm almost on vacation for the rest of 2020. True. So then I, let's do I can, this. I can I can see the finish line. Yeah. <laughs> I'm let's... I'm I'm looking forward to tomorrow at noon. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking forward to tomorrow at 2 30 and 3 o'clock. Yes. Let's do this. Um from the bottom of our hearts. And, and I mean, this genuinely to you audience, we want to thank you so much for having been so supportive to us once again uh, for another year. Um, we're very appreciative of the fact that people actually take time out of the day to want to listen to the two of us rant about professional wrestling. Um, and, you know, throughout this time, which has been a very, very weird year. Um, we hope, we hope that we've been able to go ahead and be able to bring some type of, laughter and some type of, of of just normalcy into your life because we know that it's been hard to bring that into our own so we hope that we've been able to go ahead and deliver it to you all um at least from me i want to wish you an a, incredible incredible merry christmas just a wonderful holiday season if you did celebrate hanukkah mazel tov um, but if you're going to celebrate Christmas, a very Merry Christmas to you and a very happy new year, please stay safe, stay strong. Um, we'll be back in a couple of weeks time to go ahead and ruin your life all over again. <laughs> it says it like we're just, you know, bothering people when we do this podcast. Actually, on the contrary, say? we probably make your day, but I don't want to go ahead and be, I don't want to grow my head too much here. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yes. I already got too big of an afro. But you no. can uh, you can find this fine show and every other fine show at the Double Turn Podcast, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher Breaker, Radio Public, Pocket Cast, Castbox, and the Anchor app. You can find us on the Double Turn Podcast on Instagram, one and only J Man nineteen, Ross the Robots eighty five. You can also find me on Twitter, Boss Ross TDT, and on Parlor at Ross the Real Boss. Comments, questions, feedback, ideas, anything and everything. We uh, we want to hear from you guys as. Uh, we put together this show once a week, and uh, we're looking forward to see what 2021 brings, not only this show, uh, but to the wrestling business going forward. So I will also second what you just said. That is Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Hopefully everybody is safe, enjoys their time with whatever they choose to do. Absolutely. Uh, um, and uh, like I said, we're just going to. We're just going to do the best that we can, given these very, very trying times. 
we live in yep. here, but we're glad to uh, to be able to do this. We've been doing Zoom calls now for what seems to be forever. One of these days, I'll actually see Jorge in person again. It'll uh, it'll be interesting. It'll be glorious. So it'll be glorious. That being said, then the Double Turn Wrestling Podcast with the J Band. I'm Boss Ross, and we will catch you on the flip side.